It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From Labradoodles to Cronuts, the world loves a hybrid. So today, businesses are taking a smarter hybrid cloud approach using the tools, platform, and expertise of IBM. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit ibm.com slash hybrid cloud. Who they think you're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today, we've got some news updates in the first segment. As always, we leave with the latest news and the impacts of that news on the Cincinnati Bengals. In the second segment today, we will go through position by position, talk about who we think are the roster locks and the guys that are on the bubble. And finally, we have some catch-up to do in the countdown to kickoff, and we will do as many numbers as we can today, starting at 29 in a roughly 9 to 10 minute segment to wrap up the show. Yeah, but that 29 through, if we get to 26, has maybe one of the most impactful offensive players. And then I'd say a a high-end, low-end, very inconsistent defensive player that we will be counting on this year. Certainly some of the players that will get the most snaps on both sides of the ball, not including offensive linemen or quarterbacks. Anyway... The lead story today on the Lockdown Bengals podcast is a series of injury updates and news notes leading into the Bengals' third preseason game, the dress rehearsal against the New York Giants in Cincinnati. The first note that I thought was interesting before we even get into the injuries is that Zach Taylor said that the starters will not play into the second half. They'll play one or two series less than you're used to them playing. This is an approach that they're taking that they've discussed and agreed upon to keep the players fresh. So no second half, no halftime rehearsal. They might not even play until the half. And I would say they've been getting a good amount of snaps so far for the first and second games, mostly because they had a good long drive. Was it 15 plays or so in in week one? And then week two, Dalton was out there for 18, at least huddles. I think they only ended up with 14 snaps because of plays negated by penalty. But still, that's that's a good chunk of uh, action. So if they're efficient and if they can put together good drives, then yeah, pull them out. They don't need to come back out after halftime. It's mostly a veteran group, even though it's a lot of mixed players in there with different experiences. I would say if they're inefficient, going three and out or struggling, then that could change things really quickly. But if they if they play the way they have on offense uh, and even defense last week uh, and can get off the field or sustain long drives, then yeah, they get them out sometime in the second quarter or not at halftime. We'll see how much Joe Mixon changes the offense. As we mentioned yesterday, all healthy players are expected to play this week. That means a healthy dose of Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard, who will be the third down back. However, the starting left tackle, Cordy Glenn, will be out dealing with a concussion. He won't play for the rest of the preseason, most likely, as he gets ready for week one in Seattle. Replacing him this week will be Andre Smith. 
not O'Shea Dugas, but Andre Smith, the first tackle off the bench. And I imagine he is kind of the first swing tackle off the bench right now. Although part of me is a little bit surprised it's not John Jerry. Right. To get a look. Yeah, against some first teamers. But I suppose Andre Smith, of course, has played the tackle position. Has he played left tackle for the Bengals? Yes. Yeah. Not Last much. year he had to. Yeah. Right. Not and much. And you know, since this is the dress rehearsal, maybe they're acting as not an opportunity to, let's see what John Jerry can do at tackle. More of, okay, what will we do in this situation? And in this situation, they'd probably try Andre Smith out there because yeah. most experienced and, and, you know, is the third uh, tackle on the roster. I would also say that um, because this is the, the third game, not seeing Cordy Glenn for game three and probably game four just to get him ready for week one. You know, the one major thing that everyone says about the Bengals and especially fans are, I like them here. They're, they have weaknesses here, yada, yada. All that goes, you know, can depend on the player or the analyst or the, or the, the fan. Uh, everyone always says, if we can stay healthy, if they can stay healthy. And Cordy Glenn's one of the most often injured players on this roster. We already have that with Eifert and Ross that we know of. But Cordy Glenn's probably the next guy on that list. And here he is now dealing with a concussion that maybe he'll be fine by week one. But just, you know, another notch on the belt of the injury scare. Yeah, I think expecting guys to be healthy, we've talked about this a few times, is kind of a fool's errand. That's just not going to happen. That's an unrealistic expectation. You can hope that they have an exceptional run of health, but don't expect it. That being said, a concussion isn't a back injury. It's not right. a knee injury. It's not a foot injury that you expect to be chronic over a four-month period of time, although concussions certainly can be. Uh, they tend to be more contained within a couple weeks of recovery. So if Cordy Glenn can get back to practice next week, the goal of Jim Turner and Zach Taylor is to have the first-team offensive line practicing together for the next two weeks leading into week one. So the offensive line that's out there this week with Michael Jordan at left guard Billy Price back at center with the first team, I think is what we've heard. Yes. That doesn't necessarily mean that's your week one starters because Jim Turner also said today that Billy Price is getting work at guard again. And this is the first time under this coaching staff that Billy Price is getting work at guard again, which is potentially setting up for the opportunity of, okay, maybe Billy Price is going to end up as, at guard and Hopkins at center if that gets our best five guys out there. And someone asked me today on Twitter, what makes Billy Price potentially more exciting at guard than center? And for me, it's, first of all, uh, his play style. He's super aggressive. He wants to get in tight, close with guys, wants to wrestle them. He wants his hands on players. You can see often at center, you'll go three or four plays without having a guy to really block, and you're helping left and right. Uh, And then he gets that guy, and he's a little over-aggressive. Now, I don't know if that changes, but I definitely didn't see that at guard at Ohio State, and I saw it more at center. And then I think the other part is his athletic limitations. I wish we I wish we would have had a full testing um, numbers for him when he came out that year. Remember, he was hurt at the combine. Uh, but I think he's a little bit tight hipped and I think sometimes he gets off balance. And when you ha- when you're at center and you've got a little bit more space to operate and you're going against uh, someone that's looping or stunning or pulling around, uh, it puts you in a little bit of a bind at times. And that's when you see him overreach with his short arms get off balance and be susceptible to uh, to moves that, that sh- probably shouldn't beat him if he already had his hands on guys that he would at guard. So we'll see how those moves play out. It'll be interesting to see if they try to put out there a unit of Billy Price at guard and Hopkins at center at all against New York to see how it works against another team. 
And we would have to see that in the first half, hypothetically, if the starters are only going to be out there for the first half. Of course, offensive line has been an exception to this rule in the past, and we'll see if it continues to be where some of those starters or borderline starters will stay out there a little bit longer so they can work different combinations in. We saw it with Mike Jordan last week where he came back in in the third quarter to work with another unit of players. One last piece of news. It doesn't sound like we will see John Ross this preseason at all. Uh, Today, Zach Taylor said that they expect Ross to practice starting this Sunday and get him going early this week in an effort to get him ready for week one of the regular season. Yeah, so you hope he gets some good weeks in at practice and gets ready for week one. It's too bad that we won't get to see him in the preseason, but on the other hand, he's a roster lock. It's one of the roster locks we're going to talk about in the second half, and that gives room for the guys on the bubble to make their cases and really separate themselves and get some snaps with the first team as we saw with Damian Willis and Auden Tate last week. And we'll see it probably continue in New York this week. We'll talk about our roster locks and bubbles after this break. This is Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car. That's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? Nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, 
You've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. And we're back with the Lockdown Bengals podcast. In this segment, we're going to go through the roster real quick and give us our, or give you our roster locks. Guys, we believe that no chance of getting cut, right? At this point, we've got two preseason games, so they've been able to put their work out on tape. And then we we can probably factor in longevity, um, role in the offense and defense, age, uh, contract, uh, money and length, and figure out who are locked to be on this roster. Because this is going to segue, not in segment three, but maybe next week when we do our final 53-man roster, this should get us to a probably 40 guys or so. And then it's figuring out that last 15, um, you know, plus or minus. So, Jake, what do you think? We can start off with quarterback, kick it off there, and then go through each position? Yeah. I will just mention quickly, shout out to your coworker over the athletic. Paul Daner did his did a similar exercise today. And we will have some differences, but if you want to see another opinion on this, Paul Daner at the Athletic did the same exercise. So starting with quarterback, Joe, like you said, Andy Dalton, Ryan Finley, locks. Jeff Driscoll, long shot in my opinion. He is easily on the bubble, if not sort of veering off the bubble. He's a fine backup quarterback, but I think Ryan Finley is a finer backup quarterback. And if Jeff Driscoll doesn't provide value elsewhere, I don't see a way that this administration is willing to use a roster spot on him when they traded up to pick Ryan Finley at the top of the fourth round. And I don't mean to throw a curveball at you already, but we have another lock. And I think Jake Dolagala is a lock for the practice squad. Yes. And that's not what we mean when we're saying locks. I just, it's, when I looked at the roster, I said, you know what? He is going to make the practice squad, huh? He is a quintessential practice squad quarterback. He's toolsy. He had a high profile at one point in his career in high school. He had an injury that led him to Central Connecticut State. And there's a connection there with Mike Sherman. Right. So we move on to running back then. I think, in my mind, there are four locks. Yep. You agree then? Okay, so it's the top four guys. I think it's already settled, and that's Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard, Travion Williams, Rodney Anderson. Not only did they put draft picks into Anderson and Travion Williams, I think Bernard still has a huge role in this offense, and obviously Joe Mixon is Joe Mixon at this point. And that's not to take anything away from because, honestly, I think Flowers looked pretty good last week. He had the best run of the day, and he had a couple other runs. And Jordan Ellis has been a fine, uh, probably headed for the practice squad running back and mm-hmm. flowers honestly is making a case for it too he's flowers is playing over ellis i just think we've seen much more of ellis so far through two weeks i think the issue with ellis and the reason that there's no real competition here is while ellis has the physical traits i don't know if he has the vision to make it work in an outside zone offense and i think the same issue is actually there sometimes for quentin flowers as well oh, yeah. but yeah this one's locked up barring an injury travion williams won't be ready uh he might not be ready, I should say, for week one, but I, th- I think they're still probably going to be just fine with Mixon and Bernard and then Rodney Anderson there if you need him. 
Yeah, I agree completely. I think that is set. So that's so far we've got six locks on this roster. I'm how about, how about that as a pleasant surprise for Rodney Anderson to be a, a lock for active, potentially active roster for week one if Travion Williams doesn't play? And we didn't think right. he, we were we weren't sure he'd play all this year. Yeah, well, at first we said, is this an IR situation, IR recall, pup situation? Yeah. And not only that, but the comments by the coaches from Darren Simmons to Zach Taylor of like, we can't wait to use this guy. And he's been a team first type. He's really into it, he, no matter what role he's been given. Uh, and, you know, doing everything they want him to do for a guy who was injured or on the rehab field. Yeah, I'm excited to see him play this week. So wide receiver moving on. This position gets interesting. Obviously, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, all roster locks. I would say Alex Erickson at this point is a roster lock, the way Darren Simmons has talked about not wanting to run him out there in the fourth quarter to continue returning punts in preseason games. After that, I think if you were going to argue for a fifth lock at the wide receiver position, I would argue for Auden Tate. But I think that beyond those four, there's question marks for Josh Malone, Auden Tate, Damian Willis, Josh Malone, and Stanley Morgan. Yeah, and just ba- based on where they've been coming out in the preseason games, it's been Malone and Core over Tate. So, you know, I still think they're above. I, I think p- people are going to light some cars on fire if Cody Core makes the team and Auden Tate does not. But at the same time, I do think they're going to go heavy at wide receiver just because this group has been really good in preseason, especially the young guys. So I'm in agreement with you that those four are locks, ending with Erickson. So that's Green, Ross, Boyd, Erickson. That puts us at 10 locks already, just between quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. So the next position, then, is tight end. And here I think there are three locks, Uzama, Eifert, and Sample. I would also say there's a fourth lock at tight end, and we just don't know who it is. And it's going to be one of Mason Shrek or... Seathan Carter. I see what you're saying. So you think they're going four tight ends regardless of who that guy is? I believe so. I think they like Shrek and Carter enough that one of them will make the team. They love Carter on special teams. Both of them have upside, I think, at receiver as well. Yeah, I agree. I think one of those guys are going to make the roster. I'm just not sure which one it is. I'm, I'm actually wish we'd have seen more of Jordan, Jordan Franks so far this preseason, maybe week four. He's the most athletic guy of those backups, and uh, he hasn't had it. He didn't play last week. So that puts us at 13 locks. Let's just go to offensive tackle on the offensive line, then we'll do interior offensive line after that. And I think there's three locks at tackle, and they may even go into the season with just these three guys at tackle. Uh, It'll be thin, but it's exactly what we expected at this point. Um, You know, and I wonder now if they are going to IR recall Jonah Williams. We might even say four here because this this is – if this is a prelude to our 53-man roster, yeah. Jonah Williams is going to be on the 53. Should I think we say will. four? I think it is four because I think I think Jonah Williams will because they haven't IR'd him yet. And the right. only reason they would is if they really like O'Shea Dugas, I think. Yeah. Or, or if they want to keep somebody else that they don't want to expose to waivers that they're worried about losing at the back end that they want to see kind of the practice squad or something. I think that the upside of getting Jonah Williams back in December, if they think they can compete, is pretty high. So then it's Cordy Glenn, Bobby Hart, Andre Smith, Jonah Williams on the 53. And then Jonah Williams is just going to go straight on to the IR. So that will free up a roster spot. And it's just a question of if the guy they want to keep is going to still be around. And I don't think that there's necessarily anyone else as a candidate for the IR return at the beginning of the 53 right now. 
hopefully nobody gets hurt in the next couple of weeks that will require that designation. Okay, so that's 17 on offense already. Let's go to interior offensive line. Uh, I mean, I think it's obvious Billy Price, Trey Hopkins, I want to say Michael Jordan, and John Jerry, and John Miller. I think this this is a lock to pretty much everyone who's going to play is, is on this, this team from the inside offensive line. I mean, because really we're looking at Brad Lundblade and Keaton Sutherland as the maybe one of them or two on the practice squad, but I think everybody else is known for their roster spot. Yeah, I agree with you there. They might try to add somebody from the outside here after cuts, but I don't see anybody else on the roster who looks likely. Because you got to remember that Alex Redman is not going to count. He's going to go, you know, for the four-game suspension. So that may leave them slightly thin with Miller, Price, Jerry, Jordan, Hopkins. No, that's five. You're fine with that going for four weeks. So yeah, I think you're locked in with those uh, five guys. And then once Redman comes back, that gives you six interior offensive linemen. And Jerry is also probably a swing tackle if Andre Smith is also hurt or if both starters are hurt at some point in the year. And then at that point, maybe they bring up O'Shea Dugas if he's on the practice squad. I think he's played fairly well for an undrafted rookie. I think we talked about him in the game review. So moving on to the defensive side of the ball, how many players do we have as locks on offense? 22 out of probably 25 to 26 at most. That's quite a few. So there's some question marks at wide receiver. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. And Unless, maybe a tackle, right. We kind of don't know what they're doing there, but yes. And Driscoll. So on defense, at the edge, I think Dunlap, Hubbard, Lawson, and Kerry Wynn are probably your locks. Yeah. I know what you're saying there because they did sign just sign Wynn, and I think special teams-wise, we just saw last week, played the most special team snaps. He's good there. Yeah, he's, he's going to make the team. That gives you four for sure locks. And I think holding on for dear life and only because they're really good at edge. If this was last year, Jordan Willis makes a team where I've been questioning it, yep. but you know, instead we've got year two of, of Hubbard. We added carry Wynn. you don't feel like Michael Johnson's here on dead legs anymore. So you're, you're kind of like, eh, if Willis makes the roster, is he even going to play with the emergence of Andrew Brown? Yeah. So I think that there is a question mark on Jordan Willis. I have those four guys as my locks right now. Although you could question Kerry, but I just don't see it. I think he's making the team. He's got the Rimo connection, and he played pretty well last week in his first action. So on the interior defensive line, Geno Atkins, Andrew Billings, Ryan Glasgow for sure. And then I think those are my only locks because then is, is Andrew Brown considered an interior defensive lineman? Do they right. feel like they need another nose tackle that weighs 350 pounds in Josh Tupo? And what about their fifth-round pick, Rennell Wren? Or was he a fourth-round pick? Fourth-rounder, yeah. Finley, Jordan, and Wren. And that's what makes you want to say Wren should be, as a D-tackle in his rookie year, no tackle especially, he should be on the roster and one of your inactive guys. Um, but do I think he's a lock? I, I, I kind of lean that I don't think he is. I don't think he possibly could be. He's only played one game. and. Right. PFF graded him really poorly. I didn't see him as poorly as PFF did. I thought he was fine. But he definitely needs time, as many players at this position do. And they have enough players that are going to be around long enough that it's possible that he doesn't make the team initially. And I don't think he would make it to a practice squad. I don't think so either. I think there's enough teams that can afford to let a guy sit yeah. and not have to worry about it. And they'd say, okay, we'll, we'll take him on. He'll be our last guy on the roster. We won't worry about it until week 10 or so. And he's, he's a guy that national draft punditry thought, you know, 
he's a steal in the in the fourth round when the Bengals got him. A lot of people really felt that way, and I'm sure there's some I teams still feel that, that way. way too. Yeah. So it's a, know, it's a tough choice there. They could keep ten defensive linemen. Yeah, they're probably warranted. And and that I think comes down to the next position, which is linebacker. And what are they going to do here? Where the locks for me are Preston Brown, Nick Vigil, Jordan Evans, Jermaine Pratt. And that's probably it. I think they keep a fifth one for sure, but I'm not sure if it's Malik Jefferson or Hardy Nickerson. And then I'm not sure if they even keep six. Right now, I would keep five. Is Evans that much of a lock only because he has more experience than Pratt? And really, when you look at the backups, if if Evans is a backup, he's clearly better than Nickerson or Deshaun Davis or Malik Jefferson. So, yeah, he's definitely on the team. He's one of the best four linebackers on the team there keeping at least five. Right. I agree. They, they keep four linebackers at the very least. Those guys are stolen cold lead pipe locks. The next guy to me is Hardy Nickerson. Yeah. The, is where he's playing as much as he's playing special teams. And then that's why I think they ultimately keep six because I could see him keeping Deshaun Davis. He's played a lot of special teams too in preseason and they just say, okay, six and we're out of here. I would really rather it be five. I know. I so know. I feel the same way because you're going to cut a better player. Yeah. At a different position. You might lose Rennell Wren to keep Hardy Nickerson. Not worth it. Or Deshaun Davis, the guy who was drafted two rounds, three rounds later. That's a headache. Cornerback, yeah. William Jackson, Drake Kirkpatrick, B.W. Webb, locks. Dark lock? Well, he might be on the PUP is the only thing. True. If he's not, then yes, lock. Yeah, I agree. And then questions so sh- at the end are Phillips, Harris, McRae. Yeah, it definitely. So should we say three locks? I feel like they're going to get the darn ready for week one. He's on the rehab field. I wouldn't be surprised if he was able to play week four. They hold him out to week one. I don't even know where he's going to play when he gets that to that point. There hasn't been an update on it. There hasn't. So I mean, they've I been mean, very they, quiet. We, we heard he's week to week. Yeah. When John Ross is day to day. John Ross has been day to day for four weeks. <laughs> for three weeks, four weeks, yeah. Yeah. So if you're week to week still, Dark Wes, you might be a month out. Yeah. So let's say three there. Then. I think that... three three is a lock. If, if Denard's healthy, he's a lock too. But there's right. a lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, is he a surprise cut candidate? And I don't think so. I don't see it. Only because they gave him money this year. And that's not like them normally. Well, and if he gets healthy, there's no reason to cut him. Yeah. I move on to safety. I think, all, I think the top four are locks. I think the top four are set. Not only are the top three guys valuable to them and Clayton Fedulin being the third guy, I think they really like Brandon Wilson. In fact, when he's been out there, to me, I have noticed him a bunch. He looks ex- extremely fast out there. When he's out there on special teams, on punts, he's getting downfield really quickly. Uh, I think Wilson's one of their best special teams players also, which is nice to have as your two backup safeties being core special teamers. I think these are the four guys. Especially when you have a wide receiver that might not make the team that was one of your special teamers. I mean, he's going to need to be replaced by another wide receiver but or, or corner, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the specialists are all locks. Tristan Viscano is not a threat to Randy Bullock, unfortunately, despite the 57-yard field goal, which would be a Bengals franchise record in the regular season, by the way. Bullock, Huber, Harris, lock him in. So how many locks do we have, Joe? So 22 on offense. 18 on defense with I, I put a little star with a 19 for Dark West Denard, yeah. not really knowing his yeah. situation. Uh, and then three for special teams. That puts us at 21 plus 22. We got 43 uh, players total. And that seems about right because that gives us 10 to 15 yeah. to figure out the end. And 
I think that's how most rosters are. Just where we thought we'd be. Yeah, we need exactly. to take a break. And then we'll come back and for about six minutes, talk about countdown to kickoff and try to catch up a little bit there. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. Support for this podcast comes from The First One with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is The First One. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. It's almost like sometimes before you even get in the industry, it's like you set up to fail. And there's so many moments where you can win, and the winning is great, but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win. And so much more who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to the next level, changed their life, overlooked to being overbooked. When I was recording the song, I already knew it was going to be a global hit. And I'm not joking, my G. I really felt it inside of me. I was like, I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. And we're back with segment three. We're going to continue our countdown to kick off one of the most exciting players on the offensive side of the football. Someone that I think many fans uh, feel he can carry this team to another level if he's involved the way we expect him to be in this Ram style offense. That's number 28, Joe Mixon at running back. Joe Mixon, the most excited player on the team whenever his teammates do something good. 6'1", 220, tall guy for a running back, big guy for a running back, especially considering the speed and agility he, he has and the way he plays. He doesn't play as a bruiser. He doesn't play as a guy who's going to bounce off you and keep going. But he does have good bounce, and he's going to make you miss by running faster than you think he's going to run. Just he's 23 rear years mix, old. right? Yeah, he is a rare mix. He's got great athleticism, great agility, great size. Although I would say he doesn't use his size the way you see a guy like Adrian Peterson use his size, for example. Yeah, and that's Peterson. Uh, you know, he can make that that sharp cut where Mixon is going to outrun your angles, like the way you said. Uh, and also, uh, when you're speaking of his frame, long neck. You ever notice that? I'm looking his at head, a picture right now. So yes. Yeah, his head is so far away from his shoulder pads. It's crazy. For a running back... Maybe it's just because you're used to guys that have massive traps, and Joe Mixon's traps maybe aren't as developed as other football players. I don't know, is this, man. We're going to start doing this. We're going to have a um, physical therapist in here or, or a personal trainer, and we're going to judge players' bodies because at least, we are in great shape. At least two of our frequent interactors, including one of the guys in our fantasy, Locked on Bengals Fantasy League, do some sort of therapy. That's right. So Mixon has been one of the best runners in the NFL since he came in to the NFL. And at Oklahoma, we thought he could be a great contributor in the passing game as well. In the last two preseasons, he's graded really well as a receiver. But in regular seasons, he hasn't really shown up on a consistent basis. He hasn't been used on a consistent basis in the passing game. He's flashed there, but the Bengals have preferred to use other players, namely Giovanni Bernard, 
as a receiver, even though Joe and I both think that Mixon has a lot to offer in this area, even if you want to split him out wide and use him as a receiver, we yeah. think he can do that job. Look at his 2015 season for Oklahoma, and he caught 25, 25 balls for 345 yards. That's a 13.8 yards per reception average and four touchdowns. That's just receiving. That's, I mean, if any of our receivers put up 13.8 right now, go look at the stats in preseason. They're all averaging like 10 yards per catch if they're lucky. Uh, Mixon was a dynamic athlete and a, and a receiver and, and guy that can run routes and catch with his hands. Uh, to me, when I watch those guys, uh, that year, that draft class, I said him and McCaffrey, two best receiving backs in this class. And now it's clearly McCaffrey and Kamara catching 100 balls mm-hmm. or at least 100 targets a year. And we're nowhere near that with Mixon. And there's we're just we're, we keep waiting for it. Right. So maybe this will be the year, but I, I doubt this will be the year. He might get a slight uptick, but I think they still like Geo in that role quite a bit. Look at his last game, right? It was a Sugar Bowl versus Auburn. Uh, he, he rushed for 91 yards rushing. Okay, great. Two touchdowns on the ground. But he also caught for 89 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is how I feel he should be used. I know college isn't a direct application, but yeah. when you go back and watch, he was a fantastic receiver. Yeah. So let's move on to number 27 from one of the most exciting offensive players to a guy who has honestly caught quite a bit of flack for his time in Cincinnati. And this is Dre Kirkpatrick, who's grading has never quite lined up with the pedigree, with the expectations that come with being a first-round cornerback from Alabama, with the way the coaching staff treats him. And honestly, his production, like his stats, if you ignore the grading, always looks a little bit better yeah. than his grading does. And that's Drake Patrick, who, again, is a very hot topic for Bengals fans. Yeah, he's an enigma. Because of that, because I think he's not as good as the coaching staff always talked about him or believed, but he's definitely not as bad as fans think he is. And it's I think you get the points of from the coaching staff. He does a lot of little things. Effort's usually there for him. He's willing to dive and try and make a tackle when he's nowhere close. And it looks like a lot of misses because of it. And then he's got that skinny body. So even when he's given that effort, there's a lot of times he gets bounced around in the run game or when he tries to come up and make a tackle. And then I I think he's. He came out from a zone pattern match type defense, but now I think he's transitioned to a better man corner. And then I still don't like his ball skills, but yet there's been times and seasons where he makes some crazy interceptions or he's the only guy getting his hands on the ball. So then I don't know what I believe anymore in his evaluation. He's gotten that far into it where he's not even to me the same guy he was coming out, but that didn't make him better. It just made him slightly different. He's fine as your as your number two corner, I think, and, it, and on a team that has a good pass rush. Because if you can cut down on the penalties, and we haven't been able to with Drake Kirkpatrick, well, you'll go three or four games with him where he doesn't have that big penalty or he doesn't drop that easy interception, and you're fine with him. It's the it's the splash plays that go in a negative direction that I think the fans come away from him and say, we got to do something better at that position. To his credit, Jerry Kirkpatrick has been in the top 20 the last couple of years in passes defensed. Mm -hmm. So if you put value into that particular skill set, he's performed pretty well there in the last two years, last three years. He's 10 or more pass breakups for the most part the last four years. And so he is getting his hands on the ball, but he's, he's also dropped some interceptions in that time. He's also got this reputation of being the guy who's in the best position yeah. And and just gives up the catch anyway because he doesn't find the ball or he finds the ball too late. And, and you know, the more aware offensive player is able to pick it off his head. So he 
has the athletic tools to be a lockdown corner, but he doesn't have the ball skills or the awareness that would get him to that next level. And at, he's turning 30 this year, I believe. You, you question if that's ever going to come. Right. And part of that is, uh, with, you know, with being in a position, not making a play on the ball, being an enigma that he is. Uh, he's six foot one, but he's got incredibly short arms. And so is he long? I know people are a long, tall, tall corner. He's tall, but he's not long. So he's leggy, which gets him in trouble. When he's got short arms, that gets him in trouble. Uh, he's just an odd type. And I, I think he's gonna. we're going to look back and people probably compare him. Oh, it's another Drake Kirkpatrick. And I'll, and I'll probably 10 years from now and say, I don't think anyone was like Kirkpatrick. He was a one-of-a-kind kind of guy. I'm sure there's other guys like him that we're not aware of somewhere out there in the NFL because sure. I think for a lot of teams Dre isn't your every down corner oh and, you think he, he might be like more of a nickel guy for other teams well if Leon Hall's still on the team right now right and he's still in his prime you're you're putting Leon Hall and and William Jackson outside and then when you go to nickel Dre comes on and he plays outside yeah Real quick, mock draftable comparisons for his weird body build that he has. Uh, Mario Edwards from Florida State in 2000. Nate Harrison from Temple in 2017. Ashton Lampkin, 2017. Chris Thompson, 2004. Jonathan Zenon, 08. I mean, Will Redmond. I don't know any of these guys. Kerry Harris, Chivas Jackson, Ken Crawley, and Kendall Sheffield. I know none of those players. Yep. Weird. The last player we have time to talk about today as we move on is another corner. This one with the ball skills and with some athleticism, but from a small school, Jordan Brown played for the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. And <laughs> he's he was a Bengals seventh-round pick in the 2019 NFL Draft. He's been playing this preseason. preseason. He's got a total of 20 snaps. He's looking like a practice squad candidate, but he did have a pretty nice play that was nearly an interception, uh, was bailed out a little bit by an offensive pass interference call there late against Washington, but has ball skills, has some tackling issues on tape in college, hasn't had those surface yet in the pros. Yeah, and that's really the only play I even noticed him, I think, in preseason, and he got that ball ripped from him as he bounced off the turf. Yep. Or the grass, I should say. Yeah, I wouldn't say for Brown, uh, you know, the type he was coming out was he did make a tackle on another play, actually, now that I think about it. Because as I'm leaning into this point, I remember that thinking this during the Redskins game. He wasn't always physical. He took a lot of plays off. He, I think I called him the worst run-defending corner I've watched in a long time at, right after the draft when we were doing our evaluation. And he made a tackle against Washington made me go, Okay, maybe he's figured out he's, this is the NFL. You've got to make these mm-hmm. plays. You can't, you know, you, you may be the best defensive player for uh, your college team. You're not that here, and you're going to have to give 100% every time you can. And it's not like he's small either. Six foot right. 201. I mean, Tony McRae's out there shorter than that, lighter than that. He's making plays in the run game. There's no reason Jordan Brown can't. Right. He should be able to. I want to see him get another chance to intercept the pass, get his hands on the ball. He's probably going to be a guy that plays a lot week four yep. on his way to the practice squad. He should play that whole game or maybe third, second quarter on if they let right. Harris and Phillips and those guys that, get out there for the first quarter and try to, I don't know, they, maybe if there's still a competition there, they play a half. Harris, Phillips, McRae, and they figure it out. But Jordan Brown's going to play a lot in that game against Indianapolis. 
And uh, we'll see if he's going to stick on the practice squad. I think he will. I think he's a great practice squad candidate. I think the Bengals oh, have yeah. a couple guys that are great practice squad candidates that could contribute to you down the road once they get some seasoning. And Jordan Brown has the skill set. He has the build. He has, most importantly, I think, the ball skills that suggest he could develop at the NFL level. If you're fast and you have ball skills, they'll find a spot for you, or, or at least you will retain some value for a while until uh, until you exhaust all opportunities. And if we have here 43 guys or so that we feel are locks, we did have about four or five guys we felt were locks for the practice squad. And for me, Jordan Brown at corner definitely feels like it. But I could also see a scenario where if they cut Harris or Phillips, that those guys fall into those positions. Yeah, they would have priority. Right. But they're also likely, at least I would say more likely to be signed by another team. Anyway. Yeah. I think that's all we have time for today, Joe. We'll have to pick up our countdown to kick off another time tomorrow. If you are sticking around and listening to us again, which of course you are, obviously, that's not even really a question. We're going to do a mailbag. So get your questions in. There will be a thread up on Twitter. Send them to at LockedOnBengals. And we will take probably two segments worth of questions tomorrow. We'll continue trying to catch up this countdown because we really got to get it done. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020 and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.